I don't think I've ever had an introduction that great. I was like, man, this guy's going to be good. I really, really liked it. Uh, you know, one of the things that Morgan failed to mention, which usually I, I you know, get kind of teased or praised for this, it depends on who's talking, is I was actually a professional BMX rider back in the 80s, back when life was good, you know, back, back in the 80s. And so, yeah, I was sponsored, I was on magazine covers and all this stuff, and so because of that today, um, you know, when I'm on social media, I'll regularly get these requests, you know, from guys my age who are still riding their BMX bike and they'll ask for an autograph once in a while. It's, kind of, it's, just, a, it's just a funny thing. And the number one question I get asked is, do I still ride? Do I still ride in swimming pools and go off jumps and all, all this stuff? And sadly, I always need to answer, absolutely not. <laughs> I quit. I quit a long time ago. And, you know, so then people ask, well, why did you quit? Well, you know, a number of different reasons. Um, I mean, in general, I just kind of, you know, got interested in other things. I got really into video production, and then I became a Christian. I got interested in all kinds of other things. But, you know, I, I, I just quit, and that's, that lets a lot of people down sometimes when they don't, don't think this guy from the 80s is still doing it. But I can actually remember... The day that I lost my love of my BMX bike, I remember when we broke up, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, back in, in around this time, early 90s, there was this new trick that came out called the backflip. And that's just what it sounds like. You ride your bike, you go off a jump, and you, you rotate upside down, and you land on your pedals. And it's as dangerous as it, as it sounds. And so back then, the way we would try a new, really dangerous trick is with this thing called the lake jump. And that's exactly what it sounds like, too. You get a huge ramp, you stick it at the edge of, a, of a, the shore of a lake, or in my case, the, the San Diego Bay, and you just ride as fast as you can, and you jump as high as you can, and do whatever you're gonna do in the air, and try to land on your two tires, and then the theory is, if you can do that enough times in the water, then you'll be able to do it on the land. And so, you know, this is a point in my life where I'm kind of not super into BMX anymore, but kind of trying to keep up with it. And I know that the contests are coming up and everyone has to do a backflip because you're really not going to win a contest if you can't do this new trick. So we take our ramp down to the lake, to the, to the bay. And I just remember pedaling as fast as I can and just going off the ramp and beginning my rotation and so I'm going through the air, I'm spinning, and everything's going good, and then all of a sudden, the inertia just stops. And now I'm stuck. And I'm still going, but now I'm falling, and I'm just upside down. And you ever see those belly flop contests where the guys launch off the ramp and they just land so hard on their stomachs that they just send tidal waves to the shore? And, you know, I did the biggest back flop ever with my bike on top of me, nonetheless. And I, I just remember it, it slapped so loud and it hurt so bad. I remember just like swimming back to the shore like a muskrat, you know, just, just trying to get back there. And uh, I remember that was, that was just the day I quit. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to be doing this anymore. That was the beginning of the end for me. You know, some things in life are good to quit, but there's other things that are, that are you know, you don't, you don't want to quit. You know, as I'm out, talking to people on the street, I, I can't count the 
number of times I've met someone who used to go to church and now they don't. Um, and maybe that's not you, maybe you'll never quit going to church, but a lot of times there are things within our Christian life that we're doing now that we know are good, or we used to be doing them, and we just don't do them anymore for whatever reason. We can quit a ministry, we can quit things that we, we know we should be doing. You know, I, I love what the two young ladies said um, during the interview here, is that she, she wanted to go out evangelizing because she just knew it was the right thing to do. And, you know, if you read the Bible, if you're in church for an amount of time, you understand that evangelism is something that's just the right thing to do. But as we go through this life, it's easy to, to just quit stuff, to just stop things that are, are right. You know, not just evangelism. Maybe it's that ministry you're involved in. It just gets hard. Maybe it's just the Christian walk itself, just trying to follow the Lord. Stuff happens in your life. Life is, is hard, you know. That there's, there's stuff that, that happens. Um, man, and, and today, if anything, I just want to encourage you today just to, just to press on. Don't quit. Maybe you're even here today and you're just like going through something so hard. You know, you probably heard about this uh, sheriff's death deputy that was, that was killed just th this weekend. Um, his family actually goes to our church, you know, and, and so it's, it's hit very close to home for us. And, and the good thing is that the church, the community is just surrounding him. And he's got, they, the family has so much support right now. But sometimes we go through things as Christians and we don't have that support, maybe simply because we don't really tell anyone what we're going through. And, and so it, it can be very normal in the course of our Christian life just to face all kinds of stuff. But, but uh, you know, today I, I want to look at a chapter in the Bible that's just going to encourage us to press on no matter what we're going through. And for that, we're going to look, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Trials just have a way of wearing us down. Um, and and, and we, just, we just need to look at God's word for, for help in that. So I'm going to go ahead and read through the entire chapter here. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, 
we also believe. Therefore, we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much just for this opportunity to look at your word. I ask that you would just cause your word to come alive and, and show us the things that, that we need to see within this chapter. Father, we just love you. We thank you for your care for us, that you would care for us enough even to give us just this chapter specifically to help us in, in whatever it is we're going through. And we just thank you and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you're taking notes today, we're going to look at four, um, four points, four realities as we go through this verse. Um, first of all, we, we're going to remember God's mercy. We're going to realize where our power comes from. And then we, we need to re recognize the reality of suffering. That's something we don't think about a whole lot, the reality of suffering. And then lastly, maybe we're going to find that we need to refocus our priorities. But before we get into chapter 4, I just want to give a, a just quick summary of uh, the previous chapter, chapter 3. And basically, Paul is talking about the gospel, as he does so often. He's laying out just the, the, the power and where he gets it, where, he comes where it comes from. You know, you think about sharing our faith. You know, you guys got a lot going on this, at this church coming up as far as opportunity to share your faith. And in general, we kind of think, yeah, that might be for that guy over there, but not me. That's, that's kind of not me. And there's this hesitancy because we look at all the short, shortcomings of ourselves and, and we just think, well, I don't, I'm not adequate for that. And yet, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul sums up where he got his power from. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Not that we are adequate in ourselves, to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Paul's adequacy is from God. So, so I ask you, where, where does your adequacy come from? Not just for evangelism, for ministry, for, for following the Lord. Where does your adequacy come from? Does it come from your winning personality and that beautiful smile you have? You know? Does it come from there? Does it come from your intellect? You know, think about evangelism. Maybe your adequacy comes from the fact that you've memorized every Ray Comfort video there is on YouTube, and, and now you're going to go out and, and repeat that. And you think of poor Paul. He didn't have, even have YouTube. Like, where did he get his from, you know? He actually had to rely on God. And so we just need to remember that as we're going into chapter 4. Our adequacy is from God, and it's, it's all about just the, the gospel. Point number one, um, we need to remember God's mercy. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Speaking of the adequacy in, in we have in, in Christ, 
He just starts off by saying, as we have received mercy. You ever, thought, you ever stop and think how much mercy God has given you? If you're a saved person, we heard an amazing testimony this morning, and it really came down to the fact that God is merciful. God is merciful. You know, in Luke 6.36, Jesus said, Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And Christianity can really be summed up by the fact that we're sinners, but God is merciful. You look around today, and there really is a lack of mercy in a lot of places. You, you just don't see that, you know, and, and with politics and every, everything else. You, you don't see a whole lot of mercy. As Christians, we need to be known as people of mercy, people who are merciful. Not, not just to our, our fellow Christians, but to the lost as well. We should just be known as, as being people who are, are, are merciful. So often people like start studying evangelism and, and, and they just specifically think about you know, evangelism itself, preaching the gospel, but so much of evangelism is simply just a natural result of you living the Christian life. Just be merciful. You see a lost person, be merciful to, to, to them too. You know, offer, offer them God's mercy. You know, if you, if you take a uh, sneak peek down to verse 16 real quick, it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. And then go back up to verse 1, it says, do not lose heart. So that's a hint. This chapter is going to show us how not to lose heart. And it begins with God's mercy. So in verse 1 there, what, what does it mean to lose heart? What does that mean? Well, you know, it, it could mean to just stop caring. It could mean to defect sinfully. It can mean just, just to become complacent, not care, care anymore. Um, and that's an easy thing to do. Again, if we're going through a, a long-term trial, some of us have family members that we've been praying for and witnessing to for, for years and years and years, and it's easy just to, just to give up, you know, just, just to forget that we're actually talking to God when we pray, and he is the one who can convert anyone, no matter how long it takes. Most people including yourself, probably, don't follow Christ the first time they've heard the gospel. Most people don't. They, they hear it, and then they hear it again, and they maybe go to church, and they hear it some more, and then eventually, you know, God saves them. But most people don't hear it right away, so we should be patient when it comes to the lost people that we talk to. Another reason we might lose heart is just a long-term Trial. It doesn't even need to be to be church related or persecution related. It could just be hard Go, going through life, you know, and w whatever you might be be going through. And yet, persecution is definitely something that will wear us down. I, I would I would say that one of the main reasons that people do not evangelize is because it's hard. <laughs> we don't like being rejected, and we don't like being considered the weirdo at, at school or, or at work, you know? It's, it's just a hard thing. And yet, the reality is, if we step out in faith and start sharing the gospel with others, we will be persecuted. Second Timothy 3.12, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. So that's definitely a, a possibility, but, but then the other possibility is just trials. You know, trials. My, uh, my oldest son, he was in a, a car crash, horrible car crash a few years back. He's here today, and I'm so, so grateful. He's doing well. 
Um, but he actually was in this horrible crash. He lost, completely lost vision in one eye, blind in one eye now. He's got a little minor brain damage. Um, and he's doing well now, but there was a good year, you know, to, in a lot of ways up to this point where our family went through so much. I remember going to the hospital and there he is, and we're just looking at the, the little EKG, just hoping it's not gonna flatline. It was, it was that bad. And then from there, you know, day passes, he wakes up, he looks me right in the face, he doesn't know who I am. Like, it was serious stuff. And just a lot of heartbreak, and then, and then you know, watch him learn how to walk again, and, and just go through the whole process. And the amount of emotion, and money, and everything else that our family spent during that time was just horrendous. And it would have been so much easier if we would have went to that hospital and said, Jesse Roman? Oh, I never heard of this guy, and just, and just walk away. Like, no one would ever do that. Why? Well, because we have a heart for our son. And no matter what amount of pain, we're going to endure with, with our son, no matter what. And we think about persecution. And will I be able to follow Christ? Well, you will if you have a heart for the Lord, if you have a heart for Jesus. No matter what you, you go through, you will be able to endure. 2 Corinthians 4.2, but we have renounced the hidden things because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You know, Paul's, Paul's saying that they're not changing the word of God. They're not adulterating it. They're, they're commending themselves to the people around them. In other words, they're entrusting the pure message of the gospel just the way it is, to the people, to their hearers. And it is so easy when you're trying to share the gospel with someone to mess up the message for your own reasons. So maybe you know that this person you're talking to, that it's just not gonna go well if you, if you mention hell, because you know they don't like that, as, as everyone else does, I don't like hell. Um, but, so you kind of, Go, you know, you don't mention that part, and then you know that the word judgment and sin, that's bad too, so it's easy to like not mention that. And we can just mess up or exclude things out of our message so many different ways for so many reasons. And Paul's saying, no, we just give the message as it is to the people, and we entrust their conscience, and most of all, God, that it's, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. You know, we, we, just, we just need to be, be okay with sharing the gospel how it is. In 2 Corinthians 4, 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So important to remember, as we share the gospel... And even as we just go through life, we need to realize we have a very real enemy. We have a very real spiritual enemy. You know, first off, Satan, he's the enemy. And then also the demonic realm, demons. You know, it's, it's real. It's there. And it's so important to remember this because if you're not thinking about that, it's going to be really easy for you to not like the unbelievers that you're talking to. If you don't see them as a blind, deceived victim of the enemy... It's kind of easy to get sick of them, <laughs> you know? You think, about the, you think about that politician that just bugs you, 
or maybe it's your friend or relative that you know you just have a hard time with it's so easy to focus on them the physical person in front of you and just forget all about the spiritual reality you know imagine you go down to uh La Tapatia for lunch today after service here and you're waiting in line and there's a person in front of you and you notice they have a little cane and, and they're looking up and, and you hear them say to the, to the person behind the counter, hey, uh, I can't see, could you, could you please read the menu to me? And so the person says, sure, and they start reading the menu and you're looking at your watch and you're like, man, I am so hungry and you just say, hey, um, just order the carne asada, it's the best, you know, Order anything, it's all the same. It's Mexican food, it tastes the same, it's just folded different. You know? Just order something. Well, no, you would never do that. You wouldn't, you, you would give this person in front of you extra patience because you understand that they're blind. And in the same way, when we're dealing with unbelievers, we just need to remember that they're blind when it comes to spiritual things. We need to have extra patience for them. They don't need our criticism, they don't need our our constant just anger, you know, they need our patience. They're blind. They, they need the gospel to be open to them. And, and God wants you to be the person to, to, to help them with that. You know, we need to be merciful as we strive with others. Second Corinthians 4, 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. A lot of times, you know, the, the subject comes up, when I'm preaching the gospel, should I share my testimony? And the answer is sure, share your testimony. I think the danger is it's easy to focus on your story, your experience, and what the Lord did for you, for you, whether it's dramatic or not dramatic, whatever, but leave out the gospel, you know? Where's Eddie? I was watching him this morning and uh, listening to his testimony, and he did, the, he did it good. It was good. Very, very good testimony because it was focused on the cross. And that's, that's, that's the issue. It needs to be focused on the cross. Um, so often I've heard testimonies where it's like this huge dramatic story and now, you know, happily ever after, but they don't really mention the cross or sin or, 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 or Jesus or the stuff that really matters. Like, like you know, Alcoholics, former alcoholics have great testimonies, but if the gospel isn't in there, then you're, you're just sharing a, a neat story, you know? So just, so just think about that. When you give your testimony, make sure the gospel's in it. Make sure the person understands how it is that you receive salvation, how they can get saved. Verse 5, we preach, we preach Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. You know, bondservant, think of that. Do the people who know you, do they, do they know you as a bond servant? Are you that person who, you know, even in here today, you're, you're, you're walking out and maybe you just see a piece of trash on the floor. Are you the person that picks it up and just puts it in a trash can? We think of doing ministry and a lot of times we, we think of like the, the stuff that is, you know, in our mind is this is the good stuff. You know, I want to be a theologian. I want to be a what, whatever. Um, but we don't think of like the basic everyday serving kind of stuff. As, as Morgan said, I work with Ray Comfort. He's kind of like somewhat of a YouTube hero now, and he's just a very well-known guy. We'll, we'll be out. We'll go to some kind of Christian event, and he'll just get mobbed by people. It's, it's, it's funny. He hates it. Um, but at the ministry, we'll be, every once in a while, we'll have some kind of lunch. Maybe it's someone's birthday or, or some, something, and 
We'll have lunch, and so after the taco truck leaves, because that's what we always get, after everything's done, we're just sitting around talking, and Ray comes around, and he just starts picking up everyone's trash, paper plates, and throwing it away. You know, and he's just like setting an example of being a bonster, and it was, it was so weird at first. But now I'm like, where's Ray? Where's my trash? But, but uh, you know, that, that's, that's what, uh, that's what we, we know him as. He's a bondservant. It's, it's great. We should be willing to, to serve believers and unbelievers. You know? We should just be willing to, to, to do that. Point number two. Boy, only point number two. We're gonna, we, need, we need to uh, realize that the power of it to evangelize is from God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surprising greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So starting in, in the previous chapter and then in this chapter, it's, it's just an explanation of, of the glory of the gospel. And, and, and Paul actually calls it the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of, of, of righteousness. And he's talking about how the power is not from himself. He's, he's not adequate in himself. We kind of looked at that. Before and then he says that this treasure is hidden in in earthen vessels. You know, you think about the gospel and what a treasure it is. And God has chosen to put this treasure in just in just a really strange place. It's you know, in earthen vessels. It's almost like if someone had a beautiful diamond, the most expensive diamond you, diamond you could find, and they're going to go to give it to to their their wife and they wrap it in this greasy newspaper here you go like why would you do that well god tells us the reason he does it it's so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of god and not from ourselves you know we we are earthen vessels this is so important to remember so often the reason people do not evangelize is because they're looking at themselves and they're thinking man i'm i'm just not a good speaker I just don't look very good, my, my haircut's all messed up. You know, whatever, whatever it is, we're focused on ourselves. We're ba- what we're basically saying is the package is messed up. <laughs> and right here, God is saying it's purposeful. Like, it's purposeful. So if you consider yourself someone who's not good-looking, not a good speaker, then you qualify. <laughs> like, that, that's the whole point here. The, the delivery of the gospel, the, 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 those who are going to share the gospel, it isn't about us in any way, shape, or form. We just need to, to know what the, the message right message is, get that right. It's of God and not of ourselves. Point number three, we need to recognize the reality of suffering. All right, so this is something that we don't like to hear about, yet, yet it's just the reality. Second Corinthians We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. If you're a Christian, living according to the will of God, attempting to serve him, attempting to tell other people about about Christ, 
you will be persecuted. That's a, that's a promise. You know, you ever see, see those little promises of God booklets, you know, and they're all happy. Well, this should be in the promises of God booklet. You know, like, it's a fact. We will be persecuted if you're attempting to live the Christian life. Now, listen to what I just said. If you are attempting to live the Christian life, and sadly, a lot of times it's so easier for, for us to not do that. What do I mean by that? Well, it is very easy and comfortable for us to go to church on Sunday and even maybe go to a home fellowship once a week and then just kind of like not attempt to live the Christian life the rest of the week. It's easy. I did it for years, you know? It's almost like we get into this Christian bubble and we just isolate ourselves from any kind of unbelievers or non-Christian stuff, and we don't allow ourselves to be in the world. You know, we're not to be of this world, but we are in this, in this world. And it's almost like you get into this Christian cruise control, where you got your Christian friends and your Christian fellowship and your Christian dog and your Christian everything else, you know, and everything around you is a Christian. And, and if you have set up your life like that, there's a, there's a good chance you're not going to face any persecution, you know, because why would you? And yet, if we are attempting to actually to live it, it's, it's going to happen, you know? And obviously, that's no way for a Christian to live, because we're told that the just will live by faith, Romans 1.17. And, and everywhere else, where else in the Bible, you know, you see, you see the Christian life isn't just a matter of receiving information from the preacher once a week. It's a matter of actually applying these things to our lives and, and living it out. We put so much, much focus on, you know, the, the annual mission trip. And it's like, oh, these people are going to go, and they're going to go to another part of the world, and they're going to talk to people about Jesus. It's amazing, you know? And, and yet, this is something that we should be doing just in the course of our lives. I'm not saying everyone needs to be a street preacher. Absolutely not. But within the course of our own lives, there are plenty of opportunities to talk about the gospel with friends, family, and, and just acquaintances, people at work, you know? It's a, persecution is going to be part of, the, part of the Christian life if we're actually living for him. But in verse 13, in spite of all the hardship just mentioned, we see, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore, we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. You know, what, what a concept. I believe, therefore, I spoke. So my question is, do you believe? So, so, so... Naturally, if we believe, we should speak. You know, speak, speak to the lost about, about Jesus Christ. It's interesting, we talk about um, spreading the gospel. At the end of the verse there, it says, verse 15, it says that we're spreading grace. You ever think about that? We're spreading grace. This world needs grace. Our, our family, our friends, they need grace. Um, and this is a way that, that God gives it to them. It says the grace will cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. You know, the giving of thanks abounds to the glory of God. And it's important for us to 
just ask ourselves, do we give thanks? Are we thankful? You know, in the course of our everyday life, are we giving thanks to the Lord sincerely? You know, when I was a kid, I went to Catholic school, I learned all these, these prayers, and even at dinner time, it's like, you know, God bless food, you know, really, really all this, and, and it, was, it became just this thing that I did, you know? And it's even in a, in a, a good Bible teaching church, it's e- easy to get into some routine where your prayer isn't necessarily a communication, attempt to communicate to God. It, it's just this thing that you say. Are you actually thankful, you know, to, for, for your meals? Something as, as simple as that. The giving of thanks, that gives glory to God. When, um, my pastor, our pastor, Pastor Chris, he said something to me one time that I've never forgotten, just talking about evangelize, evangelism in the course of daily life. He said, just, just live and talk as if you're a Christian. Think about that. So let's say you're at La Tapatia Mexican restaurant today again, and you just pray before your meal with people watching. Just do that. It's weird to them, but... You know, then you got to make sure you don't yell at the waitress afterwards because that'll ruin everything. But just live like a Christian. If, if someone who's not a Christian, you know, is talking to you, it's okay for you to say, oh, praise the Lord, you know. And just, just kind of let it out, like as if you're a Christian. And at some point, it could lead to a, a conversation, you know. Um, just live, live like as if you're, you're a Christian. A lot of times as we go through trials, and again, this, this chapter is kind of talking about dealing, dealing with um, suffering, it's easy for us to lose our joy. It's easier for us to be in a trial for a long, you know, hard one. During that, the, the past three years, there's been times when it's just been hard. And it's easy to, to just get to a point where you're not thankful, you know. And, and in Psalm 51, David's praying to God. He says, restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Man, such a good prayer. Restore to me the joy of, of my salvation. Just, a, just a, a, a great truth to remember. I mean, the reality is, if you're, if you're not thankful for and, and thinking about your own salvation, it's going to be pretty hard to care about the salvation of others. And so maybe that could be an issue. Complacency, you know, it's something we all, all struggle with. But just ask God to, to help you with with being thankful, you know, if you find yourself in a, in a place where, where you're not. Persecution and then suffering, it can, uh, it can derail you, you know, derail your joy. Um, yeah, so as, you, as you're looking at all this and you're thinking about this, maybe you're looking at yourself and you're saying, boy, maybe, maybe, I, have, uh, maybe I have lost heart, you know, and what, what do I do about that? What can I do if I've lost heart? Well, that, that would be... Uh, the next thing to think about, point number four, is to refocus our priorities. Refocus your priorities. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is dying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
from the world's point of view, and, and, and as I'm talking about living as a Christian, looking at your Christian ministry, your, your life, your walk, if you're thinking in terms of the world, then it's, it's going to be very easy for you to, to lose heart, to lose joy, you know, because you just look at it in a purely physical way. You know, I, I, gave, I tried to give this person a track, and they just didn't want it. They rejected me, you know. Who wants that? You know, and, and so many things we, we attempt to do, it just doesn't go well. It's, it's easy to, to lose heart if we're focused on the, the physical, right? Verse 16 says, therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. The world seems like as if it's falling apart. I'm laughing, but it's, it's true. Everywhere I look, the world's just getting worse. Um, your body may be falling apart. You know, it, it actually is, slowly, by the way. I hate to remind you of that, but uh, every, everything's just like kind of falling apart, and it's easy to look at that, but my question is, why are you, why are you focused on temporal, physical things when, when there's so much more? We do not lose heart. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. And, and, and the trials that we go through, the persecution that we face, these are all things that God uses to mature us, to, to, to build us up. You ever think about that? Like, I, we, you know, our family looks back at the, the three years that we've been through, and we are so much closer now. And we are, each one of us, in their own way, is walking closer to the Lord than, than ever before. It wasn't like that before. And as much as I hated going through it, it's, it's done so much. The trials have shaped our family. And I'm sure you could all look at your lives and, and see similar things to where a lot of the hardships we go through have just been a blessing. James 1, chapter 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking and nothing. And according to God, the trials we go through as we follow him, they're for our good. And yet, what do we do? We, we try to exclude ourselves from any kind of conflict, any kind of trial, um, just because we, we think this isn't going to go well. You know, We, we don't want to put that effort in or that work in just because we, we think, if I open my mouth about Jesus, then this bad thing is going to happen. And, and, and so we limit ourselves, and we disobey God. You know, he's told us to go out into the world and preach the gospel. And in all these places in the Bible, you can clearly see that's what we're supposed to be doing, but we don't do that, and we keep ourselves out of those trials and out of that persecution, and yet God says, you know, when you go through that stuff, it's for your good, it's going to build you up, it's going to mature you. And so it's actually a blessing to go through persecution and all these different ways. You know, 2020, uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it kicked off a series of events that resulted in a whole lot of turmoil and political stuff, and it's just been, you know, re really different and horrible in a lot of ways, and I know people who have spent the last few years just angry and scared and bitter and just, you know, horrible in a lot of ways. And I know other people who have been shining brighter than ever as lights, you know? And you, th and you think, what's the difference there? 
Well, the difference is what they're focused on. You know, what they're focused on. They're, they're focused on the eternal or the temporary. They're focused on the, the, the physical or, or the spiritual. And it's so important to, to be just focused on, on the right thing. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 18. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's all about perspective. What is it we're focusing on? Psalm 90, verse 12. God reminds us to number our days, just have a, a realistic you know, thought of, of the days of our life, how long is gonna, our life's going to be. Number our days so that we will have a heart of wisdom. Keep that in reality. We're not going to be here forever. James 4.14. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow, for you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. This is so important to remember. Our life is, is like a vapor. When God looks at us, you know, he just, he just thinks it's so quick. So, so tomorrow morning when you get your coffee at Starbucks, you can do a little science experiment. You just hold it up and you just watch the vapor. It's going to be like... That's your life, according to God. That's how quick it is. It's so quick, you know? And, and God says, in light of that, focus on the eternal. Keep your mind on heaven. It's, it's going to go by so fast, so fast. I remember, um, I got this memory of, of when I was in kindergarten. And so I'm actually going, in this, in this memory, real memory, I'm going from kindergarten to first grade. It was, for whatever reason, they, they had too many people in the uh, kindergarten class, so they automatically bump people up to first grade. So I actually got bumped up my whole school career just because there were too many people in the class. Awesome. And I actually remember this, this scene of walking down this hallway with all these other little kid heads around me, and we're going down this hall, and this memory is like it's yesterday, like it's so vivid, and our life goes by just like that, so fast. It's going by so fast, and God's saying, focus on eternity. Focus on eternity. This, this life's going to go by so fast. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we stay focused on things that matter? Well, I'm going to give you two practical reasons today. Two, two, two things. First of all, we need to commit our ministry work to the Lord. We need to commit our walk to the Lord. Whatever it is we're doing. It, you know, as we, as we do ministry, as we evangelize, it's so, it's so easy to get focused on the people and think, well, we're doing this for them, you know, whether it's evangelizing, I'm sharing eternal life with this person, I want them to get saved, or just in the course of ministry, I'm, I'm helping this person. And then what happens? They, they are mean to you, or they reject you, or something bad happens. And if you're focused only on the people, then that's going to get old. Like, that's not going to be fun after a while. We do our ministry unto the Lord, not, not just for people, but unto the Lord. That should be our driving and so there have been many times when I've attempted to share the gospel with people and they just didn't care. Or, or worse, it went bad. You know, they got mad at me or something. There's been many, many times. And yet, it doesn't bother me because I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for the Lord. They, they are going to benefit from it, absolutely. You know, and I do care about people. But primarily, our evangelism our ministry, and our walk is, is for the Lord. So focus our efforts on the Lord. I, I know a married couple who ran the children's ministry, 
at their church, just came in and served and, and did it every year faithfully. 30 years, 30 years they were there. And this was actually a big church, thousands of lives this couple touched. That's, that's awesome, you know? And they were focused on the Lord, focused on the Lord the, the whole time. So, so first of all, we need to, to commit our walk, commit our ministry to the Lord. And then secondly, set a weekly time and place. You know, all of us have, have thoughts, I want to do this, I need to, you know, let's take evangelism for example. I want to start doing this, I, I, I really need to. Well, set a weekly time and, and, and place. Maybe it's at your school to where once a week in your, in your college you have like a class and then you have some free time and then you have another class. Well, during that time, attempt to get into a conversation with, with an unbeliever. Maybe it's at work, you know. Don't do it on the clock. Do it during the break or lunch or lunchtime. Um, you know, honor your, honor your boss. Do your work when you have to do your work, but maybe try to get into a conversation. At our church, we have this ministry called uh, Moms at the Park, where the moms, once a week on a given day, they, they break out their strollers and they go into a park and they purposely attempt to get into conversations with other moms, you know, and that's what they're doing, you know. So, so it's, it's, it's just, there, there are so many ways we can, we can do this, but just if you're not making any attempt at evangelism, just, just start with a weekly time and place. At this church, there's actually some opportunities come, coming up next Friday over at Victoria Gardens. There's a group from this church that's going to go there and get into conversations. And, you know, maybe you're, you're not the kind of person that sees yourself doing that. Just go watch, like go observe, you know, just stand like 20 feet away and just see what happens, you know. But, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of opportunity here. Um, Wednesday night, the youth, the youth group coming up, they're going to start going through an evangelism course. And, and so whatever it is, just um, start somewhere, you know? Just, just start somewhere. Allow yourself to get into situations where you might be persecuted. Allow yourself to get into situations where it's, where it's, it's not going to be easy. Remembering it's, it's all for the Lord, you know? We need to keep our eyes on the things that are eternal, not, not the things that are temporary. Life is going to go by so quick, so quick. You know, we need, we need to live, live our life every day as if, it's, as if it's the last one, because one day we're going to be right, you know? Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much just for this reminder that you are with us through our suffering, you are with us through our persecution, and I ask that you would help us just to trust you and to follow you. We don't like the possibility of being opposed and, and all, the, all the million things in our mind that we go through that we think is going to happen if we step out in faith and, and follow you, Lord. And yet we know that you are good. We know that you have all power. And then we know that, that your purposes will never be thwarted. So I ask that you would just strengthen us and help us and, and just give us the heart for you, Father. Help us not to lose heart as we follow you. And we just love you and thank you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.